0: Dez on the
1: air, we're here cause we care. We ask all the questions that others don't care. We're
0: dead, we're dead on, on the
1: air. Welcome back to Daz on the Air, coming to you around Australia on the Community Network Radio. We bring you informing and entertaining conversations with a wide range of interesting people on topics like fatherhood, family and parenting and men's and boys issues. Hi, I'm Glenn Poole and joining me today is Michael Griffith, a playwright who I recently met at the opening of his new play Play Suicide Row, which is a play specifically about male suicide. Michael, welcome to the programme.
0: Hello, thanks for having
1: me. You're very welcome. Michael, um, for, our, for our listeners who may not know about uh, what you've been up to, just give us a little bit of background on on, on, on the play Suicide Row. How did it come about?
0: I was doing some uh, comedy videos of uh, people over 50 uh, just to uh, show that people over 50 could come up with original comedy. And one of our uh, participants was uh, a man called Guy Mays. And it was really great. He stood like Colin Firth, handsome and charming. And, uh, and then a few weeks after doing one of our comedy videos, he took his own life. Right. And, uh, and I'd had this idea for the play for a long, long time. Uh, but it was sort of him that spurred me on to try get it down. And, and once I sat down, it came out very quickly. So I think I'd written it in about a couple of days, really.
1: That's amazing. Firstly, I just want to acknowledge and offer my condolences for for for, for losing losing someone to suicide. Yeah, thank you, thank right. you.
0: It's uh, it's uh, we we were not massive massive friends, you know, more more just uh, we'd worked together here and, and Facebook friends really. But it was it was just the the senseless loss that really that really hit home and the hopelessness of it and. You know, I'm rough, not related to him. You know, I, mean, I actually work well with his mother now uh, who's helping us find a market the play and, uh, and seeing what she's been through, uh, how she's just been basically uh, gone to sleep really for a year as she's trying to come to terms with it. You know, it's it's it's, it's just something I've never actually... Uh, I've always known male suicide was around, but I've never actually had a personal experience until uh, now, and so it's quite profound.
1: Sure, and I think um, I, I, I want to point out that you haven't just viewed this as an, another interesting topic to write a play about, but you've actually taken it taken it on as a project with, that aims to make a difference. So tell, tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, the idea for the play is really interesting because it attacks it from a different angle because in the play, the, the men have all... Uh, committed suicide and they've failed and they're stuck in the sub-layer of heaven where they're not told anything. They've got no phones, nothing to distract them except each other. And the gods aren't telling them why they're not being sent back to their bodies. All they know is that their attempts have failed. And so they're forced, uh, or they come to the belief that uh, they have to try to fix themselves or deal with their issues there before they'll be allowed back. And, And that's the journey they're on. So it's based on the theme of if you want to reach the dawn, you've got to journey through the dark rather than sort of trying to circumnavigate it. And, and that was the basic idea of the play. And because I've done uh, mainly working-class jobs all my life, I, I've always known how healthy uh, staff rooms are. And um, and having men banter and the way men, men communicate, where the laughing one moment and the serious the next, and then they joke their way out and go back in, I actually think is... Uh, very, very nurturing. I think people don't realize how nurturing it can be. Uh, the current job I have, I, have uh, I asked someone who's been there for 40 years how many male suicides they've had, and they've had none.
1: Sure, yeah, and, and to speak to that uh, briefly, Michael, I mean, what, what we know from looking into into suicide and suicide prevention is that social connection is a is a major factor. Uh, and okay. we know for example that the older men are a high-risk group and those men who connect to social activities such as men's sheds that it gives them a resilience and it gives i've spoken to many men through the the men's sheds uh, movement who will quietly come come to me and say you know if it wasn't for this shed i, w- I would have gone long ago so oh, wow yeah so you, you, you're, you're spot on and i think for me um, you know, the, the play you describe it's uh, it's, it's, it's four people in an, in an empty room, it seems like it could be quite existential, are we in a Godot play, is it a Jean-Paul Sartre existential play, but actually it's a really modern contemporary play, it's ordinary Aussie blokes doing blokey banter in a way that blokes really talk and it's yeah. gripping, there's not a moment in the play when I was there where I felt I was actually being acted at it was really real, really, really live and really relevant, so I think you've done a fantastic job of actually capturing the way that men communicate with each other
0: oh thank you and the other thing too was to using different men you know we've got a professional we've got an office worker we've got a tradie who really tells it like it is and then we got the young guy from the country so it was really trying to show that even though these men all come from four different demographics you leave them alone and they can find ways to get on and help each other which is what they do
1: right Great. So, look, tell us a bit about the um, tell us a bit about the writing process and sort of uh, identifying those characters and getting that conversation going. What what was what was it like for you?
0: I had the beginning, I had the opening, uh, and I knew what was going to happen in the end. The the real trick was uh, the middle, keeping it compelling, and yet at the same time they're stuck. So you can't have you you can't have car chases on the stage. You can't have these. <laughs> A huge, exciting things happening because they're stuck in the nowhere. So uh, that was the uh, the trick. A funny thing that happened was I decided when I was struggling with the middle, I hired an Airbnb and I thought I'm going to go away by myself and uh, and just finish it off. And uh, I hired this place in the country and I didn't check the description. And when I got there, it was just a hut, it had no power, nothing, no running water, anything. So for two days I was, I was stuck in the middle of the bush in this tiny little unibomber shack. <laughs> and, uh, so that was where it finally got finished. And, uh, yeah, look, I, I don't, I don't know how I write. I just, I just follow my nose with the idea and I, I let the, uh, I let the characters tell the story and I concentrated more on the story than the issue and, uh, and the men's wants and they just want to go home. Uh, that's it. And, and that was something while I was, uh, Writing it, realising it, and because I'm not an expert on on suicide or, or any of that, so but I was just realising, wow, if, you know, if you if you could sort of survey most of the people that are taken their own lives, probably 95% would say I want to come home, I've changed my mind. That was the other theme behind uh, the characters as well. It's it's hard to tell you the writing process. It's it's uh, it's an organic thing, you know. It just sort of, it just sort of flows out, and I just try to keep up with it.
1: Sure, well, you've given us a bit of an insight there, Michael. That's really, really useful. And I think that point about, um, about people who've uh, attempted or taken their own lives wanting to come home, it certainly resonates with, with my experience over the last couple of years of speaking to uh, people who've attempted but didn't succeed and now share their story. And the common theme that I hear over and over again is that it wasn't their life they wanted. Looking back, it wasn't their life they wanted to end. It was the pain they were experiencing at that moment. That they yeah. wanted to end. That pain was really real, but looking back, it was something they were able to go beyond. So I think you got that spot on, and it really resonated with real people that I've spoken to who've um, who've attempted suicide.
0: Thanks. Well, the interesting thing is at the moment, when when it's on, because uh, I'm doing uh, all the lights and everything, when the play finishes, the audience don't move; they just sit there, and and I sort of come up and go, okay, you know, thanks for coming. And uh, and they're just sort of days taking it in, so it it does seem to affect people. Maybe because really we we don't really go into this issue much, you know, entertainment. I don't know, but it's 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 a it's a beautiful thing to to have the people come up afterwards, and they're getting on Facebook and, and they're writing they're writing quite significant things about it. You know what I mean? It's 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 yes. So, I do think the play has the ability to be used as some sort of tool, uh, even to get people talking or for suicide organisations to, you know, at conferences. I, I really don't know. But, it's, yeah, it's at the moment, it, it, it's, it's this lovely thing. And it, if it was to do that, then that makes the loss of Guy so much better. You know what I mean? It's just that something good came from it.
1: I totally understand. Uh, Michael... We'll We'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more about where we go, where you might go in the future with the play and the responses you've been getting from audiences. But we'll uh, we're go- we're going to take a, a a break from the conversation for a moment and listen to this uh, great track, uh, great version of "Knocking on Heaven's Door" by Mark Knopfler and Ted Christopher. Mm-hmm.
0: Like knocking on heaven's door
1: Please, never again The Lord is my
0: shepherd I shall not want He makes me down to lie In pastures green
1: He leadeth me The quiet Okay, that was uh, "Knocking on Heaven's Door" by Mark Knopfler and Ted Christopher. So I'm here in the studio with uh, Michael Griffith, talking about his uh, excellent anti-male suicide play, "Suicide Row." And just before we started listening to that track, there, Michael, you were talking about the response of audiences. So uh, say, say, say a bit more. Say, just let's just loiter a little bit on that 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 thing you said about the the silence at the end.
0: The the men succeed. In their goal of of trying to get home but they, they they have to journey into each other and into themselves they have to help each other they have to come together and and then there's see i don't want to talk about what happens at the end sure but usually with the play people just get up clap get up and they're gone that's like movies yes and and what's happening here is that the actors leave the stage. And the audience sits there, and the lights come on, and the audience just sits there. And I'm talking the good majority of the audience. They just sit there processing it. And I think that's what it is. And people have got back to me uh, through Facebook and said, wow, you know, they've been talking about it. They talked about it all that night, and it's on their heads. And, and one guy got back to me and said, I've always wanted to do uh, beer brewing. And he got back to me, and, he, and he's suddenly showing me pictures of all this beer brewing he's just taken up. Right. I, it's... There's, there's one line in the play where they're, they're talking about why you don't do the things in your life, why you don't get around to them, and, and one of the guys says, life, and uh, and he says, you know, I hear it all the time, what do you want to do, live, what's stopping your life? <laughs> and so the play is an inspirational play, it's not heavy, though know, it sounds like it should be with four male suicides, uh, most people are finding it uh, inspirational or uplifting, you know, and. The other wonderful thing about it is, like, when I wrote it, I, I showed my producer, she changed, she, after she read it, she said, wow, we've got to put this on. I showed some other friends, and uh, and I just kept putting it out, at, to, to see what people thought, because I didn't want to put out something that encouraged suicide. Of course. And everyone we, everyone we met just gave it a green light. And then when we met the actors, we put it out to actors, we said, read it. And these guys, like one works for the government, another is a basketball coach, another one sells lounges. They're all actors, but you can't survive as an actor in Australia very well, unless unless you're famous. Uh, Another one's a personal trainer, and they came together and they're rehearsing in living rooms and they're doing this, and they got really passionate about their characters. I mean, we were working on this. There was just so much passion Going into and so much fun going into making this and 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 labouring over every line and stuff. So when the guys put it on, it, it's 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 more than just me. It's it's been a, an effort of all these men coming together to put it on. It's been joyous, and so it's actually been a really uplifting, joyous journey, even though it deals with something that's really. uh
1: Gray, you know. Yeah, sure. I, I, can, I can certainly testify to that, to that Michael. We, we were there on the opening night. I, I took uh, five other people with me. We took up a row. It's that beauty of of being in a small studio theatre where you can you can see the you can you can see the breath of the actors in front of you. And it wasn't like spending an evening with four actors. It was like watching four men uh, yeah. having a conversation. Uh, and yeah. they they inhabited those characters in a way that I didn't feel at any point they were acting uh they were just four men really struggling with a deep conversation you got connected to each of the characters even though some of them rubbed you up the wrong way you some of them you didn't warm to but you you, you became invested and you cared about them you laughed with them you got annoyed at them and at the end we all sat there as you say in silence thinking i don't want to leave I, I just i, I just don't want to leave i want to i want to i want to process this i want to talk to people i want to explore it further i want to know the guys are okay um yeah. so you've really uh, i think you as a team, you've really put together a, a really excellent um a piece of piece of work there this it explores lots of themes as well so i think what you've done is you've picked four characters and they all have lots of different experiences are that that, that would resonate for many of us and what i want to just drill down into is i can't remember the exact line michael but it's something there's one of the guys who's a father and he says something like you know being a father used to mean something it doesn't mean anything anymore i don't th- that's not the exact words but he makes this uh, statement
0: what it, what it is is he has a two-part monologue. One of the main characters is sixteen twenty, and and the thing is they don't know the names. They've only got numbers. But even though they've only got numbers, that because the actors are doing it so well, they give a humanity to the numbers, uh, if you know what I mean. So yes. you never know the names, but you know them. And uh, and sixteen twenty, as he starts talking about his life, he talks about how he used to go to the train. And he'd read these books about this guy, his family that was sailing around the world in concrete yachts that they built themselves. And he said that it was the father that did it, you know, the father drove them to do it. And he said it was selfish and narcissistic. But at the same time, in the, fa- in the pictures in the book, they were all, everybody was smiling. And he was wishing, why could that be his family? Because he can't get his kids off the computers. They live in their rooms on the screens. He can't get them off. He can't get them to do anything. And the young guy says, um, why don't you just take their devices away? Which is interesting, because anyone in the studio doesn't have kids thinks that's the good idea, why don't you just do that? And anyone who has kids just laughs. Mm. And uh, and then the guy goes, he laughs at that, and then he goes, I'm a father. And he goes, in this era, he, he basically talks about what that actually means now and how much has been lost. Uh, he calls himself, he's got this really powerful line, where he's feeling that he's given away, that we've given away a lot of rights to his fathers. And he says now that he's a, he's a money-earning spectator. And that, you know, it, it, that's how he feels. He, he's, um, and that, that's the line that really resonates with a lot of people. And he feels that he can sort of stay and be the problem or leave. And and uh, and that's his issue. He, he, he feels that the era of kings and castles is long gone. And... and this comes from my experiences, uh, that I've had talking with other fathers, if so I've got teenage kids, and working with fathers at, um, in my workplace. This is how a lot of men are feeling. If, I'm not saying that we want to bring back, you know, the ability to smack our kids around or anything like that, but there does feel like a, uh, we've given up a, a status or, or some sort of power to be good and now we we really can't do anything and and that's how he particularly feels and uh yeah it's a very powerful piece in
1: the play. yeah it was it really resonated with me michael and it's like i think what you spoke to is this period of transition we seem to be in where the old role of father no longer no longer works or is no longer respected and yet we haven't really defined what the the new role of no, of, right. of, of father is and i think a, a lot of a lot of men of that sort of 40s 50s generation are in that are in that transition and that's a big part of what's happening in terms of suicide what i really also love about the play is that it wasn't a play about four men who had depression and were weren't needed to learn how to talk about their feelings you had four men who were dealing with distressing situations and trying to yeah. come to terms with them and that really resonates with us in terms of what we know about male suicide not simply being a mental health issue but being a response To distressing, uncomfortable situations. So
0: one of the the critics put in that you know that he actually didn't like the fact that the man didn't have mental disease or didn't have mental disorders. But my thing was that well that wasn't why they did it. There was situational distress. They just got to points and they thought oh stuff it, you know. Yes. And so that was on purpose. Going back to the father, there's an interesting thing at the end of the journey he makes where he decides that he's going to lead by example. So, you know, what that other speech I said about not being able to do anything was sort of within the play, but at the end, he's deciding that he's going to show that, you know, he can overcome everything. You know, he he, he can just stand back up and people laughing at him, even uh, people giving up on him, even giving up on himself. So he really makes a journey within the piece of how he's going to come back. He doesn't, none of them come up with any real solutions they just get their second win. They just get yes. back to the edge, and that's it. So there's no Oprah Winfrey, Doctor Phil cures in this play. It's just the fact that by communicating even with these men they don't know, they all come back from the edge and just get enough win to keep to keep going. That's all it's about.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. I mean, I think from my perspective, without giving away the ending, Michael, the key thing for me was that you you we are left with a sense of hope so it's, it's not all it's not all neatly tied up for the sake of drama but you, we are left with a sense of uh of, of hope and, and the sense that it was uh it was uh, an evening well spent as well michael we're coming towards the end of our, our our time together today i could speak for hours with you but i just want to finish off by asking you where next and and, and how can people help and get involved and how can we, how do you think we can make sure that this excellent play gets seen by more people well
0: I knew that major theaters would have a trouble with it because of the issue. So I've written it to be put on very easily. You just need one light and four chairs. So if you've got an amateur theater company, you can take the play, put it on yourself, because men love acting it. Uh, if you want to use us, you can get in contact. We're very cheap. You can you know, you know, can fly us up to Sydney, get a hall. We can put it in a hall. You could use it as a fundraiser if you've got some sort of charity, you know, and charge people and, and you know, it's it's... It's a very, very cheap play to put on and and then you can have like a, a forum afterwards and I've, the way that people just sit there for ages, I really feel people will be open to conversation and talking and and activism even. So that's, that's how it's done. It can travel from town to town. You can put it on in a the theatre. You can put it on in an RSL club. You can put it on in a pub. It's very, very easy to do and that's how I wanted it. I wanted it to be... It's just about, you just need the seat, one light, and the men. That's all you need. And, uh, and we'll blow you away. Uh, it's, it's getting better and better every night. We, we had an intermission on the first night that we got rid of, so it runs for about 90 minutes, but it holds everybody. I've just been watching it every night now, and it just grips the audience and, and they get back to me. So it does work. So, but that's, that's where we are now, trying to keep it going, keep the momentum going. And we do think it can help. We do think you can make people talk and think. I mean, we don't know, but that's what we hope.
1: That's excellent, Michael. I can certainly testify it's an evening well spent at the theatre, but it's also a great conversation starter. Uh, I think there are great opportunities to be explored in that silence after the 90 minutes. And I'd really encourage anyone who's even got half an idea that they might be able to somehow help you and, and get this show put on in different parts of Australia to get in touch. We'll certainly leave, uh, make contact details available on the Dads on yeah, there. Air. On there's the-
0: cultural fund going that's 100% tax deductible as well. But that's our plan. Our plan next is to try and get it up to Sydney. I think, think that would be a coup. We have five ordinary guys that created this play and now we're taking it out there. It, it, it's a gorgeous story in itself
1: it's a it's a it's a it's a great effort michael and it's a it's a wonderful tribute to uh, to the the friend you lost to suicide as well thank you glenn now thanks for joining us michael we're going to um go to a song which i chose especially for you because it sort of speaks in maybe a slightly cheesy way about what you did did for me uh, when i came along it's uh, robbie williams let me entertain you So that was Let Me Entertain You by Robbie Williams. We'd love to hear from any of our listeners. Just go to our website, Dads on the Air, and send us an email and we'll be in touch. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our shows, go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. We'll be back with another show next week. Michael, thanks for joining us on Dads on the Air.
0: Thank you. Thank you.